For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Jaybird Watching. Once again, I guess we're going to have a recorded Wednesday wall-up for your Thursday morning. Today with me, as always, Brendan Panikar, buddy. What's going on, my friend? Not much, not much, Craig. Nice to talk to you uh, in 2019. It's been a year ago since we last chatted. How are you? Doing great, man. Wonderful. Blue Jays news is still, unfortunately, the, you know, apparently hibernating season already and it's not going to be coming out anytime soon but yet it's almost pitchers and catchers time man it's almost time to get on the buses the planes everything and migrate down south for the toronto blue jays spring training fun you know pitchers and catchers it's like we're within that like 40 day window man yeah it's crazy how fast it's coming you know what even though the baseball off season seems so long, it really isn't. It goes by so quickly because they really spread out the events to get keep you excited and talking about baseball. And by the time you know it, it's already pitchers and catchers. Starting the season in March helps too because <laughs> it does help. Month, even if it started on April the first, uh, right before they extended the season to add more days off. Even if it started April the first, it's just so much longer away. The fact that you can say it starts in late March makes it seem so much faster and, and quicker, even though it's only a few more days or a few less days to wait. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be here before we know it, man. It's exciting. Yeah, the uh, Blue Jays fans are kicking their uh, calendars and crossing things off for that rookie rampage that we're going to have come spring training as far as everybody battling out for positions, man. It's going to be an interesting thing. And as far as the off season goes, that rookie rampage through the <laughs> spring training is only going to look as good as the new additions that have been brought in which we're going to go through and summarize today buddy and in all reality it has every opportunity for these young players to take this team over and run with it and make it their own thing yeah and you know what kind of segueing nice into that just kind of starting the recap of the offseason i think they have the perfect manager in place to oversee the uh, influx of rookies and young talent that are going to be on this major league roster back in October, uh, October 25th, I believe was the exact day, Charlie Montoyo was hired, and that kind of got the offseason kicked off. And, and you know what, man? Uh, I'll tell you, that move did get me it's quite excited because of all the rave reviews he got. Everybody that you saw on Twitter that was talking about Montoyo says, he is the perfect guy for the job. He's always been deserving of a major league managerial position. So it is super exciting to have a guy uh, in place 
who uh, should be here for years under this uh, next crop of talent. Yeah, and then I think what gets lost in some of the story is everybody thinks he's got nothing but the Sabre metrics and he's bringing the Tampa Bay Rays stuff here. This is a guy that was a solid, tenured minor league manager had was pretty much the big contributor to the uh, Durham Bulls dynasty that has been brewing in the minor leagues for the Tampa Bay Rays. Obviously, the last couple of years, he's been a manager in, in the major league level, but this is something that was coming for a long time, I think, and with him being able to take a young team, he's already proven that he knows what to do with young, talented players and knows how to balance everything. It's only going to get more interesting, I think, as we start seeing some of those things unfold come spring training. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be, as we've said many times, and not to sound like a broken record, but it's all going to be about the kids this year. And you know what, man? That really was started to be opened up by the second kind of notable uh, move that was made this offseason when they traded Aledmus Diaz to Houston for Trent Thornton. Yeah, and Trent Thornton bringing in an exciting arm back into this minor, ended up into the role here. Projected probably to be in the bullpen for this season, but he's going to get a chance to do a little bit of everything, I think, come spring training and see where he can fit in and help this ball club. Absolutely. And you know what? That move was pretty predictable. You knew that Diaz was probably going to be on the way out for the most part because of that. all of that. In, uh, that they just have so many middle infielders they could afford to get rid of one. And you know what? Trent Thornton, even though he's got a funky little delivery, it works for him. And all the reviews at the time of the trade of Trent Thornton, or that he could be something. He could be he could be a fifth or fourth starter if, when he develops a little bit more. But yeah, as you said, they probably will see him at some point in 2019 pitching out of the bullpen. Yeah, and pretty much set the tone for the Blue Jays off season as far as uh, what they're trying to do with everything, as far as grabbing young, talented, controllable arms. For the most part, we'll get to a few of those here in a few minutes. But kind of just as far as it goes, it's the movement going. You know, we got. You gotta fill out some innings. You gotta get guys like uh, Thornton even involved in this to be able to eat up innings, all sides of the game. You know, it's just how it is. So after that, I'm, you know, we got the big news. It's like, okay, this is definitely nothing but a youth movement this year, my friend. Troy Tulowinski e- gone. Eating yeah, everybody. As far as money goes. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Last time we chatted, he hadn't signed with anybody yet. So I guess that kind of. Somewhat new Tulo news that he went to the Yankees, so we'll be seeing him 19 times, assuming that he is healthy and playing uh, for the Yankees. But you know what? We covered that really, really in depth. We did an emergency show to talk about the Tulowitzki release, and that was actually on a Tuesday, so it worked perfectly for a recording night for the Wednesday wall-up. So, um, yeah, you know, the release truly did signify that they are ready to commit to the youth, and uh even though they're eating $38 million, it definitely made sense at the time. It'll be interesting seeing him in pinstripes, so that's for sure. Yeah, and as much as I don't want to admit it, that was a very, very smart move for the New York Yankees, for somebody that's trying to fill in for the D.D. Gregoriuses of the world <laughs> that are hurt on that team. And it just makes sense. Uh, you can you got a guy that can get on the league minim- minimum this year because blue, the Blue Jays are going to be flipping the bill for him. So, oh well, that's how it is. That's what you, the game's all about, is about money and how you get better. I wish them all the best, but the Blue Jays had to make a move, and Loris Gurriel is that move at shortstop as far as everything goes. We saw what this kid can do with the bat last year. Boom, there you go. Now he's full-on cemented. And then some of the other talents, the Bobachettes, Kevin Smiths, now have a more clear picture on how they get to the major leagues. 
Yeah, you know what? I think as the season goes along, if Bo Bichette, he's going to start in Double A, but if he he's going to be rising to Triple A rather quickly, and they're going to try to get him and Vlad up here probably around the same time. So I'm sure we'll be doing lots of episodes uh, as the season progresses, as we get closer and closer to uh, the trade deadline. Uh, and maybe even in May or June this conversation will start, but it'll be a matter of when Bo Bichette gets to the bigs, and probably August or September we'll see Bo. I would probably bet on September as a September call-up, but uh, he's coming, releasing too low. Let's Guriel give it a go at shortstop for a year, uh, see what he can do, but uh, he's, uh, in my mind, just a placeholder until Bo Bichette gets here to take over the reins full-time for the next six years. Yeah, and as far as it goes, uh, that part even becomes an easy trans- transition as far as what we have going on at second base. We're hoping that Devin Travis sticks, but eh, prove it. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. This so, could be the last year of Devin Travis if he doesn't uh, stay healthy and hits the way we've seen him be able to. Yeah, and as far as it goes, that's that's what the way the game is. We all love Devin Travis and what he's done for this team, but not being able to get on the field and play ball every day is just not helping him out. So as far as people we'd like to see get on the field, because at least this is the Blue Jays' new motto, right? Give everybody a shot, and if we're going to run with things this year, let the young kids run. We got the youngest guy ever acquired in a Rule 5 draft right after Tulo <laughs> in Elvis Luciano. Yeah. <laughs> two, days, two days later, they went from one big talking point to another somewhat big talking point, taking this young kid. And everybody knows, uh, that listens to this probably knows the rules, but for those who don't, you have to stay on your Major League roster uh, if you're selected in the Rule 5 draft for the entire year, or you have to be loaned back to the team you uh, got him from, which was Kansas City, uh, or you work out a trade. So I definitely thought a trade was coming. I was advocating for them to try, and, add a, and it ended up happening in, you know, with somebody, uh, two other arms. Uh, but at the time, I was advocating for maybe uh, working out a deal to take on Ian Kennedy and his salary to fill out the rotation and just give some innings. Uh, but uh, it looks like this kid's going to stick. They, that, that's what Atkins said. If, uh, if they pick them, uh, they have no intentions of working out a trade with Kansas City, and he's going to be here. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if that actually happens because I think by the time spring training opens up, he'll be 19 um, so he's really, really raw, but he's got good stuff from uh, what uh, you and I have discussed on past shows. Yeah. All accounts point to him having a live arm, and if they're looking to fill up fill up places in the bullpen, hey, it carries, man. All you need to do is come out and air it out for an inning and hope you get it close to the plate, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then in a flip move, we picked up a kind of a little bit of a veteran presence. Hoping maybe, you know, he's, I don't think he's going to be quite as big of a contributor as uh, Curtis Granderson was last year, but Eric Sogard's been on some winners over the years. A very nice depth piece that can play all over the infield. And plus he looks like squints, and we might get Wendy Peppercorn at some games, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think Blue Jays fans will remember Eric Sogard most from when he beat out Jose Bautista for face with the the MLB. I think that was back in 2012 where the Athletics had that whole campaign going to vote Sogard, and I believe that was the last year that happened because they made a mockery of that uh, of that little fan interaction thing. But that was uh, the Eric Sogard who beat out Bautista. Yeah, Nerd Power was the campaign, I believe. That, that's right. Something along those something along those lines. But yeah. No. As he said, he set it up pretty well. Nice little depth piece. Um, if he gets up here uh, or makes the team. 
Uh, I would be surprised, uh, but I don't know. They'll probably start the year in Buffalo, and there is no such thing as a bad minor league contract with an invite to spring training. They did that with John Axford last year and with Tyler Klepper, and it worked out relatively well for the both of them. So you might as well see what you can do. Yeah, so as far as other free agent signings go, Matt Shoemaker is now a Toronto Blue Jay after... This is a guy that had all the talent in the world, man. Just kind of similar. I've heard comparisons since we've talked about this previously to Aaron Sanchez. All the talent in the world, and then injuries settled in. Shoemaker was a in the, I believe, the runner-up his rookie season for the Rookie of the Year award. Correct me That's right. Line? Yep. Yep. 2014, he finished second. So, yeah, good stuff that they're bringing somebody like him in to eat up some innings because looking at this before that... Is looking a little thin, or at least you're really heavily waiting on the, you know, Brocky Reed Foley combination at the end of this rotation to be really carrying the 200 innings, and I just don't see that happening. And why would you want to force them to do that in this kind of situation where we're rebuilding? Yeah, no, exactly. And you know what, Shoemaker, uh, I was actually quite happy with that move. The thing I like the most about it is it, he's really cheap. He's only about 3.5 million for this year. From the Angels, but he's also under club control for 2021 as well, or sorry, 2020, um, because he was uh, DFA'd by the, or sorry, he was uh, non-tendered by the Angels, not yep. DFA'd, uh, regardless. Um, so he does have that extra year of control, and it doesn't, and that move doesn't mean the Blue Jays have to rush, as you said, the Barucchis and the Reed Foley's to just step right in and be contributors right at the start. I think Barucki will be, it's pretty safe to say that he should be good to go for a full year, but now they don't have to rush Sean Reed Foley into the rotation because now they have a fourth man. A shoemaker it will be in the rotation to start. There's no doubt about that. He, mm. should, he will be the four. I mean, I wrote a piece on Matt Shoemaker signing uh, for Jay's Journal right after, well, a few days after it happened. I think it was last week. But even in 2016, when he was last healthy, he only threw 160 innings. But he had 388 ERA and an even lower fifth of 3.52. And that was all good for a 3.5 F4. So when he's healthy, he's shown he can be quite good. And he was injured a lot the past two years. But when he came back from injury at the end of this year, or this past year, I guess, now that we're in 2019, he was looking more like the Matt Shoemaker of 2016. So I like it, especially that you get him under control. And you know what? What they've done with especially Sangwano last year, you have that extra year of control. If Shoemaker goes out and shows he can be like his 2016 self, then you have an instant trade ship to use at the deadline for a team meeting pitching uh, for the playoff stretch. So it's a no-brainer. I love the move. I think Matt Shoemaker will be quite, uh, uh, quite a good addition to this team. Yeah. Um, I couldn't help but, you know, knowing all the talent that Shoemaker possesses, draw the comparison to um, Justin Smoke being acquired by the Blue Jays and kept. Oh, everybody didn't think it was the sexiest move at the time, but yet he's been one of our best consistent power bats over the last few years. Shoemaker has that same pedigree where he could just stroll into these next two seasons and put up some really good numbers if, like you said, he can stay on the mound and keep racking up some innings. But it could be that sneaky deal of the offseason for most teams in Major League Baseball that you're going to get some good production out of somebody like that, like you said, in the $3 million ballpark. Yeah, yeah, you know what? It was a good move, and um, for all the reasons we mentioned, especially that he has club control for 2020, 
but also the fact that they don't need to rush read fully into the rotation to start 2019. It's uh, a good move all around. Yeah, and Lon is, I think between the three S's now, <laughs> Stroman, Sanchez, and Shoemaker, that this, regardless if one of those guys gets hurt, Reed Foley might get pushed into more of a forefront in that fifth starter spot, but it's not trickling down as far into the minor league system where you're all of a sudden wondering what Nate Pearson's doing. I think yeah. it's the biggest thing. And then yeah. talking about our next edition even sets that back just a skosh further. Man, do you want to break this one? Yeah, Clayton Richard, of all people. I mean, you know what? He could start up, start as the five. He, you know what? I, when he was first with San Diego, he had a few good years, but that was a long time ago, 2009, 2010, when he was close to 200 innings in each of those years. Uh, 2017, he had 197.1, so he was actually decent. Uh, just two years ago, but you know what, man? It, the Padres are paying a half his salary. It does suck that uh, to get him. Uh, it took Connor Panis, who is a Canadian, uh, in the system. But hey, you gotta give something to get something. Um, and Clayton Richard, to me, is just a something. Uh, he may start. I think his most uh, logical role uh, is out of the bullpen as a loogie, um, just as a one-out guy, or just maybe a few batters at a time. Uh, to go through, um, pitch a third of an inning here, two thirds of an inning there, but uh, he could he could be a swingman. I think we both said before the show. You said Scott Downs as a comparison. Um, I'm blanking on who. Else. Oh, Carlos Villanueva played this role quite effectively uh, back in 2011 for the Jays in 2012. Being that swingman out of the bullpen who can make spot starts from time to time. Because you know what, his home run numbers were not very friendly in a very hitter ballparks. <laughs> exactly. And in a pitcher's ballpark with the marine air in San Diego that keeps balls in a cavernous ballpark already, Richard struggled. So on paper he doesn't look like the best fit, but at only a million and a half dollars, maybe he snags a rotation spot. If not, he's perfectly fine to be a lefty out of the bullpen. And that's frankly where I think he'll end up. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on the bullpen thing with him, especially when we don't have a, we don't have really that lights out lefty. I'm not saying Aaron Loop was that by any means, so please don't crucify me or anything. I'm waiting for Tim Mesa to take that turn because I really think he has the potential. I saw it in the minor leagues watching him when he was Lansing Lugnut and the New Hampshire Fisher Cat and so on and so forth. But I just and he doesn't have that lights out punch that uh, all of a sudden even Ryan Tapera found for a little while. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be one of those things. He's just going to be a light bulb, and it's all of a sudden going to happen. Or he's going to keep being on the short bus back and forth between Toronto and Buffalo, for Mesa anyways. But th- but as far as um, Clayton Richard goes, I it's still another veteran presence to eat up innings. I don't care if they're in the yeah. starting rotation, the bullpen. It's that same conversation. You don't want the kids running into 200-something innings this season. And I think he can help balance that load, even if it's like the bullpen day where he takes three innings or something. Yeah. You know what we said before we we hopped on, um, the way I would use him, maybe if Sean Reed Foley clearly outpitches Clayton Richard in the spring, which Reed Foley definitely has the potential to do, and they force the Blue Jays' hand to give Reed Foley the fifth spot in the rotation 
And Richard, if he is all right during the spring, um, starts in the bullpen to limit the innings on Ryan Barucki, who will be entering his first full season as a major league starter with Sean Reed Foley having even less experience. And then the injury history of Shoemaker and Aaron Sanchez and Marcus Strollman, who struggled with injuries last year as well. I could see Richard maybe once every two to three times through the rotation coming in and making a spot start. And I, that's how personally how I would use him, just to try to cut down on some of the innings. You know what? They tried to do that with Joe Biagini when Biagini was in the bullpen uh, last year. He'd come in and make a few spot starts. They tried that with Drew Hutchison back in 2016 um, after they got every, and brought back Jay Hack and Hutchison didn't make the team. So... I don't know. I think that's that's how, definitely how I would use Clayton Richards. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see well, how it happens. Well, as I don't see TJ Zoik unless he earns it, because I really think he is going to be one of those guys next year as a surprise in 2020. But this season, yeah. pushing him and getting past Pano and Merriweather, Thornton, Weisbach, getting down to him, John Harris, and everybody else is a hard sell for me. I'd love to see yeah. Patrick Murphy come out and freaking air it out and be awesome this spring, but I don't see him running into a 200-inning season either. But it is what it is. I'm sure they're going to sort that whole wonderful thing out. And as we're hitting this stuff, the zip stuff has been out for your projection pleasures, <laughs> my <laughs> friend. So it's kind of looks like pretty much what we expected. And from most of the things we were talking about to this, um, yeah, you can just already chalk Vladimir Guerrero up as your MVP of the team, according to like yep. every projection stat. A mere yeah. 3.2 war in his rookie season. You know, nothing too big to celebrate. I think, uh, <laughs> what was, um, Fangraphs putting him, like, almost in Mike Trout category at, like, 6 or 7? <laughs> top 10 hitter in the major leagues when he gets up here. That's what, the uh, that's the, uh, company he's going to be in apparently according to the MLB. Yeah. I think the <laughs> hey, one that's that, totally fine. <laughs> yeah. I think the one that other than what we were talking about pregame with uh Lars Gurriel Jr only putting up a point 2, but we kind of talked that one out and it's more not because of his offense, but his defense and his other metrics kind of bring him down, but I was surprised by the pairing of Case or uh, Danny Jansen and uh, Russell Martin only getting a 2. And I'm wondering how much that is Martin bringing Danny Jansen down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll preface this by saying I, I'm personally not familiar with what, um, uh, with how Zips calculates their F4. Uh, and I, sorry, F4 is Fangraphs War, but regardless, I don't know exactly know how Zips calculates it. So basically every single big baseball stats page that goes in depth on stuff like Fangraphs, um, StatCast, um, Baseball Reference, all those different places have their really their own way of calculating it. So, I mean, I'm looking here on Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s page, depth charts projects him at 5.1 uh, in 142 games, and in 138, Steamer projects him at uh, 4.7. So either Zips thinks he will have less at-bats than all those guys, or they just calculate it differently. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know what, Gurriel seems to be in line with, uh, with other people, but I don't know, maybe... Russell Martin will continue to struggle with the bat like he did last year. It wasn't very pretty at times with Russell Martin, so maybe that's part of the reason for it, too, combined between the both of them. Yeah. And maybe it's just because I have had the pleasure of watching Jansen as much as I have had with the last season in Buffalo, but uh, he reminds me so much of Russell Martin younger. 
pick. He can hit. He can field. He's got a cannon. Watch out, American League for base runners is all I'm going to say. But it's going to be interesting. But then again, we got Mr. Consistency, um, Justin Smoke at 2.2 again. Kevin Pilar doesn't look like the defensive stuff is bringing him down as much as his quote-unquote decline is at 2.3. What do you think? Yeah, that definitely would be aided by the defense. His offense doesn't really contribute any sort of value to uh, Tim. Well, maybe he bounces back and has a better year offensively, but we've been saying that for the past few Aprils when he's gotten off the crazy start. So obviously they think he's going to bounce back defensively a little bit. As we said, it'll be interesting to see how Polar, Grichik, and even Teoscar Hernandez look in a new outfield with the new outfield coach. Because Leeper ran the show last year, and it was uh, much criticized that uh, he didn't put players in the best position to succeed in the outfield last year. So maybe with a new outfield coach, some new alignments, and some uh, new positioning. I mean, defensive metrics are a lot about positioning for the most part, so... Maybe they feel that uh, Polar will bounce back with some help and uh, some better luck and some uh, help as well. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Kendris Morales continuing to be a replacement-level DH is kind of to be expected, I think. I, I really don't see him doing anything different than what he did last season. But if he can get me in the 60 RBIs ballpark, I'm I'm happy enough with that, I guess. I think he, yeah, How many did he yeah. end up having last year? Like, did he end up hitting 80 last year? I can't remember. Let me pull, let me pull up his uh, his page. But as far read. as it goes, um, in a in a uh, season where we're probably more or less guessing where offense is going to drop a little bit with some of these young players in um, in the mix, there is going to be enough offense, and somebody like Morales is obviously going to be that kind of like cornerstone for these youngsters to lean on in that lineup, um, at least for this season or until his value is tradable enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he bet 57 last year, so he okay. didn't crack 60, but he actually had a better season than he did in 2017. And that's maybe why um, I was thinking the 80 number, because I was just yeah, thinking, yeah, like, yeah. one way or the other, I remember him, like, doing extra <laughs> in that category. Yep. So. Yeah, no, he was much better last year than he was in 2017, not from a home run and RBI perspective, but there's obviously a lot more than just those two, so... He was a better hitter um, than 2017. So, you know, if he's like 2018, that's, I'm fine with that. And he's a free agent at the end of the year, and his contract will be off the books. Yep. So we'll talk quick bullpen and quick uh, starters, but we actually are projected to have three starters being the Triple S team that we were just talking about. Stroman, Sanchez, and Shoemaker all above replacement. Stroman taking the cake at 2.7. Do you think Stroman's going to bounce back that well to be ranked that well? You know what? Really, with him being such a ground ball heavy pitcher, I've seen uh, somewhat of a little bit of a pattern with him last few years. 2015, ball seemed to find gloves, and he would get out rather quickly. 2016, he struggled finding gloves, and balls just snuck through the infield and, and whatnot. 2017, it was much better, and it was much more in line with his 2015. And last year... With injuries on his side, too, he didn't uh, help himself with um, being on the disabled list a few different times. But, again, in those ground balls, it didn't really, they didn't find gloves. And he had trouble with the home run ball, too, uh, last year. So, you know what? He kind of looked like he had a little bit of a pattern of um, odd number of years. He's done pretty well. And even number of years, he has not done overly well. So maybe he will bounce back and follow that pattern. None of that 
is influenced by any sort of statistic to say that he can bounce back. But yeah, I don't you're see following my Rick Porcello model. It sounds like to me, Brendan. <laughs> He's yeah, always, yeah, he's always good every other year. I, me and my brother yeah. never draft him in fantasy football or fantasy baseball every every other year. Last year, <laughs> yeah, good year, and then the year the year before that, eh. and then Cy Young was mixed in there too. So I was like, okay, great. <laughs> so well, right yeah, as far as the rest of it goes, uh, we were I think we're probably on accurate with what they're saying about Clayton Richard. Point five, yeah, that sounds more like a bullpen number. But yeah. then I am kind of shocked that Ryan Barucki is just sub. One, as even in yeah. his first full season, I'm I was kind of picking him maybe you know one point two, one point five ish somewhere in there for a full season yeah. because I just think he's got the talent. And then I figured Sean Reed fully, regardless of his ERA, maybe being a little high, he'd probably be pushing the replacement level too. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're pretty spot on there. You know, Barucki can eat innings. He said he showed that last year when he got up here. He was able to pitch pretty consistently six, seven innings every single time he took the ball, other than a few of the ones that he got rocked in at Yankee Stadium yeah. or whatnot. So the innings alone um, helps contribute to uh, a player's um, uh, a war. So you know what? If he, if he does what he did last year, he'll definitely exceed that .8 projection. And Reed Foley, I'll definitely see him being around there too because he's still got some stuff to work on and he's got to harness that control. Yeah. So last position on the Zips things we're going to hit really, really quickly here. Bullpen. Obviously, I'm thinking the key contributors out of this are going to be Ken Giles and Ryan Tapera. I do like that they have David Paulino and Tim Meza on this. To obviously, Danny Barnes being the regular everyday carry and throw in at this point. And then Trent Thornton and Joe Biagini rounding out our quote-unquote bullpen to a 3.6 level war. There's going to be a lot of turnover in this bullpen, I think, this year. And uh, you lot. and I have talked excessively about Joe Biagini. <laughs> yeah. And if he's going to even be around as part of this bullpen picture. Um, a lot of these young starters, and I think that the Paulino idea really shows that idea a lot. Somebody that's just got a live arm that could come into this bullpen and catch fire. Kind of a la yeah. Aaron Sanchez 2015. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know what? I really think the bullpen, as you said, is going to be changing a lot in 2019. There's a lot of guys that probably start off the season. That's, for the most part, any bullpen. But um, you're going to see a constant rotation with the guys like Trent Thornton, the Jacob Walgus packs, uh, the Sam, you know, Sam Gavilio isn't even listed anywhere on those projections. Yeah, and you know what? He's another guy who could be what we were discussing Clayton Richards' role could be like. Um, there's no Thomas Pannone anywhere there either. So um, it's, it's going to be a rotating. It's going to be a whole bunch of different arms that round up the bullpen. Wagas Pack, maybe even Hector Perez, Pannone, maybe Julian Merriweather uh, if he's healthy and back. Sam Gavilio, uh if he makes it, if he makes a team and sticks around after spring training. There's going to be a lot of turnover in that bullpen. And you know what? I'm happy with that projection, and I think that would mean Ken Giles is obviously going to be taking a lot of that. And if Giles gets off to a hot start and pitches well, he can get a king's ransom at the trade deadline considering his youth and control. So if Giles gets off to a really good start and puts up a lot of that projected 3.6, then I am... 100% on board with trading Ken Giles at the deadline, but that's definitely 
a conversation for another time. Oh yeah, definitely. Plus, you gotta see what we could possibly do this year. Um, I believe it was, I want to say Sports Illustrated. I might have saw on the other day they had like a. Oh no, it was on MLB.com. I take that back. Five teams that could surprise you in 2019, and the Blue Jays made that list just by the skin of their teeth at number five. But they had plenty of good points to, to things we pretty much aligned with on this show very consistently. A full season out of Randall Grychuk. He hit plenty of home runs last season. What does he do with a whole year? You get Laurie Scurriel actually chiming in on this offense with Danny Jansen and Vladdy and everybody. And there could be just enough pinch hit pitching sprinkled in on this to make it a decent raise-ish run. So I can see that article living up being a top fe- top five surprise anyway. I could too, and that is exciting because there is enough young talent offensively to be able to contribute. You know what the key is? And we saw this in 2015 and 2016, and a consistent thing between teams who are good and make playoff runs or at least stay in the conversation uh, all the way until September is they have a healthy rotation and typically only go about eight starters deep, maybe seven if they're lucky. I mean, 2016 was a complete anomaly. There's no way. I would be very surprised if any time in the next five to ten years we see the Blue Jays only use seven starters in a season. felt like everybody made their turn each time out in 2016. And if that didn't happen, there's probably a pretty good chance that 2016 team would miss the playoffs. But if they are going to be making any surprises, they need to stay healthy. Everybody's got to make their turn in the rotation. And... As of right now, I want to be as optimistic as possible, but based on the last few seasons of Aaron Sanchez, Matt Shoemaker, uh, and all the youth that will be in the rotation, and who knows with Marcus Stroman in 2019, it seems like that's a lot to ask for. But you never know. They could have luck on their side. So the reason I go there is the reason I want to set this terribleness up. If you do have that surprise season out of the Blue Jays this season, do you still stick to your guns on trade Ken Giles? No, he would have to be here. If they, if, if they, well, let's let's say let let let's say they well, are the surprised. He has. I just think it's one of those things that you just got to run with at that point. And then, okay, you got you, you suck again the next year. Trade him then. But if you're in that yeah. conversation where, let's say we even post up the Rays record this year and just break the eighty win mark, I I just don't see you why know? you would want to trade a premier closer, and, if, unless if you're getting the Kings it? ransom. If they do surprise and are in it, which, again, it does seem like it is a lot to ask for with the way the roster is constructed. But, hey, you never you know. It's better to how talk much about the offseason, man. Let's talk hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, hey, I'm always down to talk hypothetics and get excited about this in, in January when it's really cold and windy outside. But if Henry Guerrero Jr. comes up here and it's exactly what people think he is, he's going to make that offense so much better. And he's going to make everybody else around him so much better. So if they do surprise and are in it, the other good thing is Atkins and Shapiro over the last few years have built such a deep form system that they can make a move to take away some of what they've built in the minor leagues to acquire a piece to keep them in the conversation. Um, But I think for all intents and purposes, they're really loading up for a year of 2021, maybe 2020, if everything goes right, or 2022. But you never know. If they do surprise, then, then hey, I'm all here for it. I'm here for some meaningful September baseball. I think everybody is again after that magical 2015 and 2016. Yeah. I'm waiting for that Sports Illustrated cover to come out with us on it. Just saying. <laughs> Vlad, Vlad Jr. will be on that cover. Yeah, there you go. 
So, as far as all the fun goes, other than um, other Blue Jays news is Bo Bichette is bombing bombs in the Bahamas <laughs> and winning home run derbies almost. So, if you haven't seen yeah. that video clip, everybody, we have been retweeting anything we can find on that on the Jaybird Watching Twitter account. So, make sure you hit that up. And um, as far as all things go, man, that's pretty much a show. So, what is going on in Brendan Panikar's world, man? You know what? With the slow news cycle, it has been somewhat difficult to think of content to write over the last little while, so I really don't know. But what I do want to do is give a shout-out to, um, some, I, and he doesn't follow me, but I got a tweet on New Year's Day at 11.30 in the morning from at Marty R underscore J's. Marty Reichel is his name. He said, special shout-out to my favorite Jays writer at Panacar37. I have the wife print out your articles every morning so I can read them during my Raisin Bran Bowl for breakfast. All the best in the new year and hope we get prime Clayton Richard come April. So I thought that was quite touching. I'm glad I can provide somebody good content that they enjoy with their bowl of Raisin Bran in the morning. So instead of plugging anything that I'm doing, I'm going to end it with a shout-out to at Marty R underscore J. Thank you, Mr. Reichel. That is good stuff, my friend, and obviously you must be doing something to be earning such recognition and uh, being on level with Raisin, you know, Raisin Brand Man. <laughs> it's not <laughs> hey, quite the Wheaties, but you're damn close. <laughs> that Raisin Brand bowl does sound good. It kind of makes me want to have a bowl for breakfast tomorrow before going to work. Sure as hell can't be worse than what I had for freaking dinner tonight, Burger King. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, as far as all other good things go, um, in a slow off season. Me, Craig Borden, I actually um, i am going to the Bison's Prospect Showcase, which is kind of something that the Buffalo Bison's have done um, over the last few years. It's a nice little deal. You know, Ben Charrington and some of the Blue Jays brass comes down and talks minor leagues, what's going on. It's kind of like a state of the minor league system address kind of thing. And they always do it right up against the Winter, uh, winter Fest thing. And um, the prospects continue to go from basically from Buffalo right up to Toronto to hang out with the rest of you. And, you know, you don't have to deal with me New Yorkers anymore, even though I'm a Blue Jays fan. I'm not too bad. But it's a pretty impressive list of prospects they're going to be bringing this year. Not only do they get, bring Vlad Jr. back this year, it's the second time he'll be doing this prospect showcase. Nate Pearson, Kevin Smith, Kevin Biggio, Hector Perez, TJ Zoic, Trent Thornton, Santiago Espinal, Forrest Wall, Jacob Waspak, Julianne Merriweather, Patrick Murphy, Yesne Diaz, and Zach Jackson. So it's a pretty eclectic group that's going to be hanging out and drink, you know, just goofing around while me and my dad drink beers and talk baseball with anybody we can. At the <laughs> event. But um, I had the pleasure of meeting Danny Jansen and Ryan Brucky, who were sharing an autograph table. Um, near the end of the night, it slows down a lot, and I just, you know, meander and talk to everybody. It's fun. You get a chance to get some of the personality out of some of the guys, and those two being complete characters and BFFs, you know. <laughs> it's just good stuff. So I'm looking forward to getting some more of those kind of interactions, and now that I have the freedom to maybe even record some of this, I'm actually hoping to get a, re a uh, reoccurrence with Patrick Murphy, who I interviewed prior to the 2018 season after a stellar performance in Dunedin this year and even earning himself a uh, spot on the 40-man roster so hopefully we can figure something out with him to possibly bring it to this program for all of you wonderful Blue Jays fans so 
I wish I was able to attend that because it does sound like a lot of fun. We'll get you in on sometime, man. <laughs> it's weird that it's on a Thursday night is the catch. Yeah, if it was on a Friday, I could probably swing that and maybe work from a Starbucks or something in Buffalo. But uh, being on a Thursday is probably a little more difficult. Yeah, it's like you, it's about an hour and a half a drive or so for me to get there from Rochester. But as far as it goes... I only get so many times to see guys like that, and um, with the Winterfest being thing, for like three, four hours for me to drive, this is the closest I'm going to get. Yeah. You know what? You should come up to the Winterfest. I think there's still tickets, and they're doing it both days this year. Last year they did Saturday. This year they're doing Saturday and Sunday. Um, so uh, it was a good event last year. I went um, with a few of my friends, and they had a good time. It's a nice little event, and I think it was long overdue. I'm very surprised that the previous management didn't think of to do something with that. It at least gets people in the Rogers Center during the off-season, which is always exciting to be in the Dome. Yeah, it always amazed me that that doesn't get used more often for just events in general. I got to see the Foo Fighters when I came up to visit you last time, but it just doesn't seem like that's a reoccurring thing, is it? No, you know what? I would say there's only about three to five big concerts at the Rogers Center per year. They're all in the summer. Uh, they obviously have Jays baseball. They don't have the Toronto Argonauts anymore. They left after the 2015 season and now play at BMO Field. And that would take you, if you had a playoff game, until November of mm-hmm. semi-consistent use. Uh, and then maybe other than, I'm not sure if they did this year, but other than a monster truck um, rally uh, on a weekend or two in the offseason, the Dome's is empty for the most part, which kind of sucks. Yeah, and you guys aren't getting Buffalo Bills once a year anymore either. <laughs> no, no, all football is gone from the Rogers Center. <laughs> I made that trip for that a couple of times. That was fun. It was a different perspective playing, you know, being a Buffalo Bills fan, playing a home game in Toronto. You guys didn't yeah. get the you didn't get the anthem going hey, hey, hey or anything with all you know what? knuckleheads. So. That shows why the NFL. I mean, I guess if it was their own team, that showed would show why the NFL wouldn't work here because everybody already has their team. A lot of people love the Bills because they're very close to Buffalo mm-hmm. in Toronto, but for the most part, everybody already has their own team and has uh, forged ties with uh, places like myself with the crappy 49ers. But uh, <laughs> next year will be different. That was one of the things that I noticed in that game. It was an eclectic of the most classic and awesome jerseys at a football game I've ever been to because it was just any any team, any player. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, there's another guy I remember, and then, you know, so on and so forth. It was good stuff. But anyway, Brennan, once again, it's always a pleasure having you on the show here, man, and I'm glad we get to keep doing the Wednesday wall, even if we're recording on a Wednesday due to our fun with schedules this week. Yeah, we got to keep our uh, audience guessing on when it will be uh, recorded and then published. Wednesdays well, or Thursdays. Yeah. Well, that New Year's resolutions one played well, so we're glad you all listened to that. That was a fun episode for all of us to be goofing around and having some fun with. we got a couple other clever ideas up our sleeves for slow off-season stuff before we start diving into the top 30 prospects here before spring training. So, But anyway, buddy, it's good. It's awesome. Blue Jays baseball, hopefully we get some wins. <laughs> Coming. It's rather soon. It's almost just over a month uh, until pitchers and catchers report so that'll be here before we know it it sounds good man i can't wait and we'll have more wednesday wallops for you don't forget to dial in and listen to brendan and i every other week we might 
get a little bit more splurging on you know a few more episodes here and there once the season kicks in but we will be bringing you some sort of blue jay content as much as we possibly can throughout the uh, off season here and maybe some other weird shows we've been talking about doing a top five top three favorite baseball movie debate just to hash out some terrible movie quotes and whatnot we'll see what we can get into but until then keep clicking those uh subscribe buttons leaving us reviews keep telling all those wonderful blue jays fans about us here and if you're looking to join us on a show we're always looking for wonderful fans to have on with us as well so everybody brendan thanks again appreciate it you bet buddy have a great night you too and blue jays fans talk to you soon peace out When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.